All right, who's ready? Ready for this, everybody? I think the season is back upon us, everyone. Let's go! Let's do this! Oh my goodness, welcome in, everybody. Nice to have you all back. Hello. Do you feel the leaves changing and all that good stuff? Like, I don't know, but... I can't speak for that, um, but... It is good to see you all here tonight. Um, uh, my game once again. Uh, my name once again is Dave Medina. You know me as Dave. He's eating a sandwich on all the platforms and all the scenarios. Um, good to see you. Um, and uh, we have come to that special time of the year when we are previewing the college football season. And uh, to do this appropriately, it's it's it really a great pleasure to introduce one of my our, my good friends of the program. Um, John in Connecticut, who um, is, I'm sure, just as pumped about this as, uh, as I am. And uh, gosh, so many changes in college football com this coming season and the next coming season. We are in for a completely new college football coming start soon, everybody. So we're going to preview the, 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 the game, the, the, the season in two, in two shows. So tonight, we're going to start with the group of five conferences, so the mid-majors and so on. And then we'll have the power five tomorrow. Same time, same place here on, on um, here on the solve scenarios. So let's do it, John. Good to have you back. It's uh that time again, and boy, what a time it is, John. It's good to see you again. How about it going tonight? Doing well, Dave. Yeah, this is an exciting time for sure to be a college football fan with the season um, literally almost ten days away with the week zero games. But man, what a turn of events last week with the conference realignment. I know we'll get into all of that, but um, yeah, certainly a very exciting time of the year. Lots to discuss. We, we all love the group of five conferences here uh, on the show. You know, often you can get some decent value uh, with some of the odds, the lines, if, if some of these games aren't as, um, you know, high profile compared to, say, like the SEC or Big Ten. So gives you some good wagering opportunities. And I know um, Andy and yourself uh, feel the same way. So. Yeah, great to be here, and um, excited to, to dive into all this. Yeah, and thank you again for doing this, uh, of course, John. I, I I'm with you on that. I mean, it's it's going to be quite a uh, be quite a time. Like, so let's go look at the storylines to start. I mean, and as you mentioned, realignment really is at the forefront of it for 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 really the entire sport. But the college, the group of five, is certainly a big big role has a big role in this. Um, we'll get to that in a second. But first, let's talk about the expansion of college football to twelve playoff to twelve teams. Finally, we get it, and I think it's much overdue. You can see that it was the old format. One could even say it was getting stale because you just you just had the same teams all the time. But now you give the you give the group of five a better chance to win a, a, a national championship this way. Um, I'll just quickly run down the format. So new format begins in 2024. The first round will have on-campus games like the week before, like December 20th, 21st of, uh, for next year. Anyway, that's how it'll be. And then when we would be having the then when we would be having the New York Six, that would be the quarterfinals. The semis will be on January 9th and January 10th of 2025, I believe. So that's when normally you would have had in previous years would have been the national championship. And the championship game will be the week after, or maybe maybe a little bit more, like maybe a little bit after that, um, on the 20th. So yeah, I, I think in generally net positive. Um, John, I'll get to hear, get your thoughts on the college football playoff expansion. Yeah, uh, I can't argue against having more teams with the chance to win the national title. Um, 
Although inevitably, I think you might run into the same problems where, you know, uh, like all the at-large teams are going to be, you know, SEC, Big Ten, Big 12. That's the only conferences that are going to be existing. And I guess ACC too. But at least for now, there's going to be at least one spot for the um, group of five, the highest rated group of five champion. And then if another one is highly ranked, they can be in, in the playoff too. So, yeah. Um, I think it's a it's a great situation. I, I love the on-campus games for the first round. Um, I know after that they're going to move to the bowl games and they want to protect the bowls and all this and that, but I think that's going to go away because they're going to see how much of a buzz and like uh, just like a draw that the on-campus playoff games are. And I think um, they're going to change that for the second round. Uh, like when the teams that get the bye – when they start their play, they're not going to want to play at a bowl game. They're going to want to play it at home and, and get that advantage like the teams in the first round did. So I can see that changing, honestly, all the way up to the um, the national championship game has to be on a neutral site. But I could see all the way up to the semifinals, I could see being on a neutral site. Now, it may not happen overnight, but um, in my opinion, I think it would be better for the overall playoff if uh, that were to happen, uh, just to have neutral site games all the way through. Um, and like I said, I think we'll, we'll eventually see that once – you know, a couple of years goes by and these like first round games on campus are just unbelievable. Um, I think we'll, I think we'll see that happen in the later rounds. Um, and, and, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see how it goes in terms of how they want to structure it. You know, obviously with the PAC 12 going away um, or maybe they, they resurrect themselves and add some more teams. We'll see what happens. But um, I think a lot of the, just to touch on one thing with the realignment, I think a lot of this was short-sighted. Um, especially some of these schools from the Pac-12, like, yeah, I get it. You're going to be making a lot more money in, say, the Big Ten, but your chances to make the college football playoff just went down by, like, 30%. You're all battling against each other rather than staying in the Pac-12 where you were guaranteed a, a playoff spot to the champion. So, um, you know, obviously the TV deal and all that, we can talk about it, but a little bit short-sighted in terms of, you know, a competitive edge for some of those schools. But it's definitely going to be uh, – fascinating to see uh, starting next year. So this is really like the last year of college football as we know it, basically, which is kind of exciting yet, you know, we have to wait and see how it all plays out. You really do. I, I think you have a really, you've made some really good points. First, your prediction about how they're going to want the on-campus games more is a really good prediction. I think that's really great. Um, oh, I'd like to welcome our friend King Jampaker to the chat. Like, Welcome in. The change should be, the change should be interesting. Yeah, very much so. I mean, it, I'm a little sad about it, to be honest. Like, the Pac-12 was great. Um, we're getting more to that tomorrow when we do the Power 5 conferences, but it's it sucks. I mean, what can I say? I mean, I love the idea of USC and UCLA going to the Big Ten, but now that, it, like, the rest, like, <laughs> Oregon and Washington are going with them, as you mentioned, now you're just basically recreated, like, basically the best of the Pac-12, I mean, in the Big Ten. It's like, well, what have you gained? Like, if you gained... When you were, if you were just playing like Iowa and like Nebraska, you probably would have been all right. But now you have Washington, Oregon too, so this that definitely complicates things. Um, but what what can you do? Uh, what else were I gonna say about that? No, it's great. Um, no, going back to the group of five, like the group of five realignment in and of itself is really fascinating. I mean, first of all, Conference USA gets hosed. Like almost all the teams leave. <laughs> I'm reading it like Jer uh, Jackson State Liberty, New Mexico. Oh my gosh, I feel bad for Conference USA. Um, but the Big Twelve, wow, 
they should change the name of their conference. It's not even number no, no, like somebody made a good point on one of the podcasts I was listening to. Is like most of the original Big Twelve members aren't even in there anymore. Like you don't have Texas, you don't have Oklahoma. Um, you know, like Missouri and uh, A and M left a long time ago. So it's, it's just a completely different conference. They have like thirty four teams now. It's just a little ridiculous. So. <laughs> <laughs> and the AAC is actually getting some kind of took over most of Conference USA, which is I don't know if you feel that's good, positive or not. Seems like an exciting situation there. And then you've got UConn and San Diego State, which could also join the Big Fifty Four next year. <laughs> <laughs> Fingers crossed. Got my UConn shirt on. That's you know there was rumors last week that if the Pac-12 had not completely just disbanded, that it was going to be uh, UConn. It was going to be the uh, extra school on top of Colorado and then the pack, whatever would have stayed together. But, you know, since the, you know, that fell apart, like UConn is kind of, they were pushed on the list, understandably. So, yeah. but you figure they'd want the five time national champion basketball school since 1998. And, you know, football's getting better. We can talk about them, but yeah, it is what it is at this point for, for UConn realignment. But yeah, do you, do you want me to discuss um, some of this group of five realignment for yep. this year? Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. So it, I we kind of talked about this before. It's like the you know the meme with the two Spider Mans you know pointing at each other. That's basically like the AAC and Conference USA, uh, like the old Conference USA and the new AAC, because that's basically what it is. Um, you know, they lose their best three teams, arguably with Cincinnati, BYU. I'm sorry, Cincinnati, Houston, and um, UCF. Obviously, BYU was independent, and they they joined the Big Fifty Four as you as you said. Um, <laughs> But, you know, arguably those are the three best programs in the AAC, although funny enough, Tulane was the best team last year because they won the conference and had that memorable bowl game with with USC. Um, So Tulane stays. But, yeah, the schools they add, it's just like there's kind of like no – some of them I can understand, but others there's just like no rhyme or reason to it. So, like, yeah, okay, UTSA, I get it. Like emerging program, uh, you know, huge uh, stadium, like campus, like – that's a school with some potential for sure. Um, Florida Atlantic, same thing. You get the Miami market. They have some potential. Like they're kind of a newer FBS school, but I can see it. Um, North Texas, it's like, yeah, you kind of already got UTSA. I don't really see the point to that. Same with Rice. I really don't understand that one either. It's like, how many teams in Texas do you need? Um, UAB, good program from uh, CUSA, but who the hell knows now with Trent Dilfer? We can get to that. I mean, that's just going to be a, a disaster. Um, and then Charlotte uh, kind of getting to that mid-Atlantic market. So I like some of their additions. Some I could have kind of done without. I don't know what some of these like North Texas and Rice and UAB really do for you. Maybe creating more rivalries. I don't know. Um, but, you know, we'll, we'll see. Uh, I think the AAC did a good job, though, getting um, UCSA and Florida Atlantic. I, I definitely like those additions. And then, as you mentioned, when you go to Conference USA, um, yeah, they kind of, you know, they were left with, what, four schools. So they're, they're kind of in the same position that the Pac-4 is in at this point. <laughs> so they, had to, they had to scramble. So they added um, New Mexico State and Liberty, who are independents. I mean, New Mexico State is just, they've just been a perennial doormat for years. But they went bowling last year, so maybe a little hope for them uh, in the future with Jerry Kill. Liberty has been a really good uh, independent. And I think that they kind of, they get stigmatized because of like their values and the, the way their school is and everything. And, you know, to each their own on that. But in terms of like 
you know, resources and money put into the program, like they're better than a lot of these group of five schools in terms of what they do for that. So I think that they were definitely a good addition. They, I mean, they might win the league this year. Um, and then they have two schools coming up from the FCS, uh, Jacksonville State and Sam Houston State. Sam Houston actually won the FCS uh, championship a few years back. And um, Jacksonville State is coached by Rich Rodriguez. If you remember him, of course, from uh, West Virginia and Michigan, among uh, Arizona, among his former stops. So, uh, you know, an, an exciting name, I guess, named coach to get to the conference. And then next year, they'll be adding uh, Kennesaw State from the FCS. So they're going to have 10 teams um, or 10 schools starting next year, assuming no other, you know, movement happens. Um, and then the only other uh, realignment for this season was uh, BYU heading over uh, from an independent to, to join the Big 12. So uh, that was your realignment uh, from this year. I don't mind the, the ads, honestly, from Conference USA. I think they did a pretty good job. And they honestly would have been in much better shape if they kept some of these other schools. Like I said, I don't think the AAC needed to add, like, all of the, these, like, Texas schools. Like, right. the TSA would have been would have been good enough. But, hey, um, you know, Conference USA slowly building itself back up. So um, I, all I did see that it's going to be much, much tougher now for schools to jump from FCS to FBS in the future. So we might not see – as many of um, these moves, like, you know, conferences backfilling their, their uh, you know, their rosters with FCS schools, because a lot of them probably could jump and, and do it pretty, um, you know, you know, make it pretty successful for themselves. But I guess there's like a huge uh, uh, monetary, you know, donation or, or payment required now to the NCAA to do that. So we'll see what happens. But yeah, I think the Conference USA did pretty good, and I think the AAC did okay for the most part. I just think they went a little overboard on some of the <laughs> some of the teams they grabbed, but it's going to create for you know it's a whole whole new whole new conferences here. Yeah, and actually, uh, the Sun Belt did some realignment too, and I think some of that's taking effect this year. My reading and my understanding is uh, Marshall, Old Dominion, and Southern Miss are starting this year with them. Oh, or? that was last year. That was last year. Okay, came on board. Okay, yeah, all right. Yeah, right so on. year two of their of their new. Um, dynamic okay okay very good um last thing on uh, as far as storylines um i don't have a lot as far as coaching changes um uh, but satterfield's joining cincinnati that's a pretty big story and so i'd love to get your thoughts on satterfield too yeah i mean i wasn't a huge fan of his at louisville um they you know he did okay uh you know there's kind of a bowl team every year um you know he's he i guess he kind of left when you know you always kind of leave when you're I guess I allowed to be fired on the hot seat. And that's kind of what he did going over to Cincinnati, but it's a tough situation because fickle leaves and you kind of have to remake the entire roster. So um, maybe not, not, and you're going up in, in class from the AAC to the big 12 too, uh, you know, with your schedule. So that, that could be a, a transition for them on um, the first year under, under um, Satterfield and uh, Cincinnati. But I guess we can, we can dive more into them. Uh, when we talk about the about the Big 12, yep. um, trying to think if there's any, I guess we can kind of get to the coaching changes as we go mm -hmm. through the various conferences. But Dave, um, I actually I've been putting together a list of like all the transfer quarterbacks because that's the other thing. Like the transfer portal is just insane. Yeah, that's true. Um, so if you give me a minute, I'll read them off to you. Um, <laughs> go some for of it. These, some of the names you might recognize, some of them you might not. Um, I've done. I, now, honestly, I didn't, like, mark down any third-string quarterbacks. Like, these are quarterbacks that are going from one school that were, like, starters, started some games, um, and then are, are projected to be the starter at their new school. So, 
Um, all right, here we go. Tyler Buckner from Notre Dame to Alabama. Spencer Sanders goes from Oklahoma State to Ole Miss. Devin Leary goes from NC State to Kentucky. Graham Mertz goes from Wisconsin to Florida. Mertz. Yeah, that's an interesting <laughs> one. A lot of these we'll get to tomorrow night when we talk about uh, oh boy. The, group of, uh, the Power Five uh, yeah. uh, schools. But, yeah, that one, uh, I don't, not sure how that one's going to work out for the Gators, but we'll see. Um, Jake Garcia goes from Miami, Florida to Missouri. Uh-huh. Tanner Mordecai goes from SMU to Wisconsin. Cade McNamara goes from Michigan to Iowa. Luke Altmeyer goes from Ole Miss to Illinois. Uh, Jeff Sims goes from Georgia Tech to Nebraska. Ben Bryant goes from Cincinnati to Northwestern. Hudson Card goes from Texas to Purdue. Phil Jerkovic goes from Boston College to Pittsburgh. Brendan Armstrong goes from Virginia to NC State. Jack Plummer goes from Cal to Louisville. Haynes King goes from Texas A&M to Georgia Tech. Alan Bowman goes from Michigan to Oklahoma State. Keaton Slovis goes from Pitt to BYU. Wow. No, Donovan Smith. Yeah. yeah, that's see, he's still playing, Dave. Can you believe it? I know. This was like um, this is like his third transfer in like three years. Yeah, like, it's like it's crazy with like with the COVID year and then yeah. you take a red shirt and like if you get injured, you can be playing. Uh we'll get to this with the conference USA preview, but um mm-hmm. uh Jacksonville State's quarterback is like in his eighth year of eligibility. Wow. It's 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 crazy. Um Donovan Smith goes from Texas Tech to Houston. Emory Jones goes from Arizona State to Cincinnati. Colin Schley goes from Kent State to UCLA. Shadur Sanders goes from Jackson State to Colorado. And obviously the big move there is, is uh, Deion Sanders' son. So yep. um, we'll get, get into them some more. Uh, Drew Pine goes from Notre Dame to Arizona State. Uh, and that's pretty much all the Power Five uh, mm-hmm. quarterback transfers. Now there's, there's a few group of five ones as well that I'll read off now. Um, Chandler Rogers from ULM to North Texas. Casey Thompson from Texas to Florida Atlantic. JT Daniels, another guy. How, how does he spell Oh, yeah. Those? He does. Uh, goes from West Virginia to Rice. Right. Uh, Dylan Hopkins from UAB to New Mexico. Brendan Lewis from Colorado to Nevada. Mikey Keene from UCF to Fresno State. Davis Brin from Tulsa to Georgia Southern. J.T. Shrout from Colorado to Arkansas State. Wow. Malik Hornsby from Arkansas to Texas State. Hayden Wolf from Old Dominion to Western Michigan. Lane Hatcher from Texas State to Ball State. Connor Basilic from Missouri to Bowling Green. And last but certainly not least, Hank Backmeyer from Boise State to Louisiana Tech. So, yeah, that's a, quite a number of quarterback <laughs> transfers yeah. um, that you have. And honestly, you have, to, you have to keep an eye on it because if you're trying to bet the games like you have to know who's playing quarterback so uh, the research now definitely definitely pays off later. oh yeah some of those guys uh, those folks are i mean there is a lot of like mediocrity just yeah. lateral movement basically yes yeah some of the moves are interesting some mm-hmm. you would maybe we'll get to a few moments like wow they they got this guy from like a power five school like that's a huge upgrade and others it's just kind of like all right he's just going from one like going from Old Dominion to Western Michigan, not exactly gonna <laughs> yeah. light anything on fire. Um, right. You know. Right. You know. It kind of. It's just uh, maybe you got some, got some playing time, whatever. But mm-hmm. yeah. So it's, it's kind of a little bit of a different thing. Inch, indeed, indeed. Well, let's get to our previews, John. Uh, we're gonna start with your with your AAC, or it was your AAC. Not anymore. Not anymore. So now it's just the AAC, but. Let's let's head into it. Like, who would you pick? Is this some like Cincinnati's in this period of transition, as we know, with the coaching change? 
Um, it's going to be an interesting year. Let's let's see what you have, what you think of the AAC this year. Well, Cincinnati's gone, so they're in the Big Twelve this yep. year. So they're not even in the conference. Um, so I, I think this is no before. So before we get into the the meat of all the the teams and whatnot, I will say like if you had to rank the the um, group of five conferences, I'd say it's pretty close between the AAC. Sun Belt and Mountain West now because of those those losses that the AAC had. Um, the bottom of the Sun Belt and Mountain West is pretty bad. So I think on just pure depth alone, I would say the AAC is probably a little bit better. Um, but the top of each of those leagues are very, very uh, comparable. And then I would say the MAC and then the, the Sun Belt are a little bit, I'm sorry, MAC and Conference USA are a little bit behind those those first three, but very, very comparable for the, those three leagues. Um, if I had to make like a pecking order, uh, there's, I think uh, there's a clear like top five teams and I don't know how ever order you want to put them in, but um, UTSA, Tulane, um, SMU, Memphis, and then I think Florida Atlantic is a real sleeper team this year and we can get to them. But um, Tulane's obviously the defending conference champion. Uh, you know, Dave, I know you're a big Willie Fritz fan. Uh, he almost left for Georgia Tech in the offseason. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, decided to stick it out with the Green Wave, and um, they're back. Uh, Michael Pratt returns, their quarterback. Um, they lose Tajay Spears to the NFL. Like that dude was just a huge, uh, just a playmaker. Like you know, I remember the, the bowl game. He was like running, you know, had uh, a great game against USC, and like he just on the field. Like man, this is this guy is an NFL player. But um, they should still be pretty good. Um, UTSA, uh, we've been a fan of them on this, this podcast for a while. Uh, they returns Frank Harris somehow for another year playing quarterback. Uh, their coach didn't go anywhere. Um, they did lose some guys in the transfer portal, uh, some of their receivers, which, which happens, you know, if you, if you're a great group of five program, um, you're going to lose your, some of your best players on occasion to, uh, power five schools that can do like NIL deals and whatnot, but. Um, they should still be really good. Um, you know, they're very talented. And, and like I said, I just love the program, their, the direction of their program. Um, SMU uh, should be, you know, they, their offense is just incredibly explosive. Even though they lose Mordecai to Wisconsin, uh, Preston Stone takes over. And he uh, got a number of starts last year. And um, I remember the game against Houston. It was like a ridiculous score. It was like 77 to 63 or something like Houston scored 63 points and lost um, against SMU, um, which was pretty, pretty impressive. Um, Memphis is another team that should be in contention. Uh, they they lost a number of close games last year. So their record was only seven and six, but it was a little deceiving. They lost a number of close games. Um, so their record could have been much better. And uh, Seth Hennigan returns as at quarterback. He's one of the better quarterbacks in the AAC. Um, and then the last team I mentioned for this little group is Florida Atlantic, like I mentioned. Mm-hmm. Um, great head coaching hire, in my opinion. Gone is Willie Taggart. He can only do six and six or barely five and seven. They couldn't get to a bowl in his only two years there. And in comes Tom Herman. And we remember him from being at Houston and then at Texas. And he really wasn't that bad at Texas. I mean, they, you know, we kind of talk about it all the time. They kind of have an overinflated. Uh, you know, perception of what they should be doing. Um, and he, he had some good years. Obviously, he didn't, like, win a national championship, but he's winning nine, ten games. Like, he won some bowl games, and they just – they got rid of him for Sarkeesian. Um, and then Herman, he takes, like, the year off to go into the broadcasting or, and whatnot, and now he comes back into a, a really good situation, and he brings over 
um, Casey Thompson, uh, his former quarterback at Texas, who uh, transfers in, uh, like, as I mentioned, who was at Nebraska last year. And it really didn't fit him. Because remember, Nebraska was just a complete just disaster last year with Frost. And then he gets fired and everything else. And now he's back in a familiar system. They have another, uh, a bunch of other uh, uh, good tr uh, transfers coming in. Um, and, you know, I, I like this team a lot. So I think they're a potential sleeper if you want to make like a long shot pick uh, to win this conference, uh, you know, to, to make the conference championship game. And what I'm trying to say is that the uh, there's no more divisions in the AAC. So it's just the top mm -hmm. two yeah. get to the championship game. So if, even if they could somehow get into second place, they're in the game at that point. So um, I definitely like uh, them as like a, a long shot pick. So those are the kind of the, the clear like top five, in my opinion, in the league. And, um, you know, uh, we can talk about some of the other teams in, in a little bit, but I'm interested to hear kind of what your feeling is on some of these, uh, you know, the teams at the top. Yeah, I think, um, I mean, I'm pretty much in step with most of that. I mean, you can never count, I mean, uh, you can never really count out teams like to, um, like Tulane. It's funny, I I don't, I didn't realize how long Willie Fritz had been coaching college football. Then I've kind of seen him lately. Getting a little longer than tooth, I got to say. I mean, he's been around a lot. He's really, he's really been around a while and, so I, I'm really it's it's hard not to root for him, you know. That's that's I'm kind of biased in that. I'm kind of curious about UTSA. I, I think they can be pretty solid. I mean, it's a fun team to watch, and same for SMU. Although their defense continues to be pretty bad, so you know, it's just it's just uh, I mean, pretty much echoing most of what you what you were saying earlier. I mean, it's it is going to be a very different year without Houston and Cincinnati in the, in the conference any in, in this year. So. I, I, I kind of wonder, and you remember that Navy hit rock bottom too, and then <laughs> um, that's kind of wild to me because like Navy just seems like they'd always been solid. I'm curious to see where they go. I actually say I have no feel. I probably see them going like I don't know, like five and whatever, five five wins this year. So I don't really see much there. Um, let's see, anybody that I feel like we should look out for? Not really. I think everything here is pretty much in step with what you were saying. Um, I mean, I, yeah, like, yeah, no, go, go ahead. ahead. I was gonna say, if you want to talk about some of the other teams in the conference, mm -hmm. um, East Carolina had a it, see, it's kind of funny for them, like, all the, their players graduated at the wrong time because if it, if their team from last year was in the AAC this year, they'd be one of the favorites, but it just so happened like all their best players graduated. Holton Aylers, and I know uh, Andy's a fan of his, um, he's kind of like a bigger, yeah, a little bigger. Um, group of five version of Tim Tebow, um, but he graduated as did Pete and Mitchell, their all-star running back. So they're, and they're, they've lost a, a ton of, of other production. So um, they're going to be down uh, this year, but you know, this team, their team last year would have contended, but they're kind of like on the next tier. Um, Navy, like you said, Dave, they kind of bottomed out, but you know, uh, their defense ended up being pretty good. And it was, it was crazy that they, kind of fired their longtime coach yeah um ken uh Niamatololo, i think i pronounced that right um but they did keep some cons consistency within the program they promoted their defensive coordinator brian newberry who you know he's been with the program so it's not someone coming in that doesn't know like the traditions and styles and whatever of, of navy and, and how they run the option offense although there's like this new cut blocking rule so some teams like the teams that run the option like army navy air force they're going to have to maybe do a little more passing or just get creative with their schemes or else they're going to get flagged. Oh, I think, yeah, which is kind of crazy. Yeah. I mean, the triple option is one of the, like the unique cool things about college football. Like, I don't yeah. know why they're trying to take that away. It's ridiculous. I mean, they could, you know, cry player safety, whatever, but um, 
you know, I, I think it's a little overboard, just like with some of the, the targeting right. stuff that, that gets called for. But, um, yeah, Navy should be kind of a middle-of-the-pack team. Um, you know, uh, Temple should be, again, kind of middle-of-the-pack. Uh, E.J. Warner, Kurt's son, took over last year, and they really had a spark to their offense once he came in. So I think they should be a little bit better. Um, North Texas and Rice are just kind of bleh. Although we did mention JT Daniels coming in for Rice, so we'll see. We'll see what they can do with that. Um, they were actually pretty good last year before they had just a number of quarterback injuries. And, um, you know, they really struggled down the stretch. So maybe with, uh, like, a stability at quarterback, they can be pretty good. Um, and then I'll mention the rest of the teams all have new coaches. So North Texas uh, is coached by Eric Morris, a former um, disciple of Mike Leach. Uh, rest in peace for sure for Coach Leach. Um, so they're going to be running a new offense. And they actually, if you remember, they went to the Conference USA Championship game last year, and they fired their coach. Um, unfortunately, uh, Austin Ani, who was like 30 years old, does not have – he had some eligibility, but he's not playing this year um, uh, for the Mean Green uh, as they transition to the AAC. But uh, we'll see how that, how that works out with the new, um, the new coach. I mean, they were pretty talented. Uh, but, you know, again, a little bit of a step-up in competition for them. Same with Rice. Uh, they're kind of towards the bottom. Um, and then the the bottom kind of projected teams all have new coaches. So Charlotte, uh, Biff Poggi, uh, what a name, um, comes over. He was like an assistant coach at Michigan. Before that, he was like in the investment world and like hedge funds and all this. And I don't know if you've seen like some of the clips from him at Media Day. It's like hilarious. He's like, you only got three questions for me? Well, that's it. I, I'm, you know, disrespecting us. Like, it's crazy. Like, you need to watch the video of this guy. Like, it's going to be <laughs> – the gift that keeps on giving all year. They should be, <laughs> they should be pretty bad. Um, oh boy! You know, I, he did upgrade the talent with a lot of transfers, but it'll be interesting to see. Um, USF, uh, they kind of really got screwed in all this realignment business. You know, their rivals UCF gets the Big Twelve, and here they are wasting away in the AAC. Like, Oof. I don't know, kind of sucks, but uh, for them. But they bring over um, Alex Golish from Tennessee. He was their offensive coordinator. You know, obviously Tennessee had a very potent offense, but again, you always kind of worry about these things, like who was actually calling the plays at Tennessee? Was it him or was it uh, Josh Heupel? Um, uh, Tulsa brings in uh, Kevin Wilson, who used to um, coach at Indiana. He was the offensive coordinator in Oklahoma, so he's going to bring in um, a lot of offense, but it's going to be um, a little bit of a rebuild there, because as you mentioned, uh, in our transfer segment, um, Davis Brin, their quarterback, transferred out. Um, and then certainly last but not least, UAB, Trent Dilfer. Like, what? Like, I, you can just see him. We used to joke about him holding the pencil, the pencil. talking <laughs> on, uh, on ESPN. Yeah. Like, does he do that in the locker room? I mean, I don't get it. Like, UAB was like a solid program for for years under um, Clark, Bill Clark. And, you know, he had some health issues or, or personal issues or whatever. He, he stepped down. And their interim coach last year did a pretty good job like he got them bowling they finished seven wins but no like we're gonna get rid of the continuity and we're gonna have um trent dilfer come in straight off the espn desk and coaching high school football in tennessee and he brings over his entire like staff from high school like it's a high school coaching staff basically and um they lost basically just a, a ton of players it's going to be fun to fade them all year um so looking forward to the the Trent Dilfer experience at UAB, but yeah, so those are kind of like the bottom four teams: um, uh, UAB, Charlotte, USF, and Tulsa. Kind of take your pick on, mm-hmm. on whatever, but um, yeah, uh, that's kind of the dead weight of the AAC, and yep. I don't really see any of them kind of 
making a jump. But going to be fun to follow these uh, these train wrecks all year. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I mean, like, it'll be entertaining. <laughs> yes. Um, all right, so let's get to Conference USA. Boy, again, like, you know, Conference USA already is going to be feeling some of the damages of all this realignment already this year. So just to give you an idea, the top four teams in the conference last year, UTSA, North Texas, Western Kentucky, and Middle Tennessee. Only Middle Tennessee is left over from that conference. The other three have moved on to different conferences. So that's a bummer. Like, that's like all the top talent, all the top teams are out. Well, Western is still there, Dave. Western Kentucky oh, is still there. Oh, yeah, hold on. Well, let me know. Yep, where am I saying? Oh, yeah, yeah, I see him. Okay, never mind. Take that back. But I'm sorry. It's hard still, to keep. Your point, your point remains. The two teams in the championship game are no longer there. Yeah. It's uh, it's gonna be a tough one to, to 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 evaluate. So, John, I'll give it to you to first give our give your look at it. Who's gonna win this conference this year? Yeah, this is this is an interesting conference. Um, I'm looking forward to the newbies coming up. Like I said before, Sam Houston and Jacksonville. Um, just a, a quick couple nuggets on them. So we mentioned uh, Jacksonville State with Rich Rodriguez coming in. Um, their quarterback Zion Webb. It's like his seventh year playing college football, which is just crazy. Um, but I guess of all the years to like have a seven-year quarterback, it's it's now uh, coming into a new conference. Um, they did play one uh, FBS team last year, Tulsa, and they lost seventeen to fifty-four. So um, we'll see if if it uh, if it works out for them. Um, you know, they're certainly going to have a decent offense. Um, I don't know about after that. Um, you know, but the conference USA schedule, it's not. It's not terrible, but if they play like they did uh, in that one FBS game, it's going to be it's going to be a rough uh, rough road to hold for them. Um, Sam Houston, as I mentioned, they won the FCS title, um, I believe, in 2017. I have to go back to to look, but I, it was in the re- in recent history they won um, the national championship. Maybe even a little bit uh, after that. Maybe it was 2020. I'm not sure, but I know it was in recent memory. And I did read that they didn't have a great season last year in the FCS. However, they redshirted a lot of their best players in preparation for this move to jump up um, to the FBS. So they could be a little better than you think. They could be pretty sneaky good. Um, so we're going to keep, we'll keep an eye on them. I honestly don't know what to make of them at all. So I'm going to watch their first couple games. They play BYU and Air Force the first two weeks. And I'm sure they're going to be getting some, uh, some big spreads in those two games. So we'll see if they, um, if they can like, you know, they show that they can p- compete and then we'll, we'll, kind of get on them in, in conference play. But um the top of this conference, I think it's a I think it's two teams here. It's Western Kentucky and it's Liberty coming into the conference. Um Western Kentucky, like like you mentioned, Dave, they're kind of the, the best of the rest um from the, the league this year. Uh their quarterback, Austin Reed, um, he was gonna leave uh for you know transfer portal and he decided to come back and he led a very, very prolific uh, offense last year. Um, and that should continue this year. Um, you know, Tyson Helton's their coach. He, he remains. Um, they have a good receiving core. So I think they're kind of the favorite um, along with Liberty. And I think Western Kentucky is the slight favorite just because uh, they get uh, that Liberty game at home. However, Liberty has like an absolute joke of a schedule. Like if you want like a, a win total bet, like I think you should bet them over. I think it's eight wins last I saw. They don't play a single power five team in their, in their 12 games. I'm just going to quickly wow. read their schedule to you. So they play Bowling Green, New Mexico State, at Buffalo, at FIU, Sam Houston, at Jacksonville State, Middle Tennessee, at Western Kentucky, Louisiana Tech, 
Old Dominion, UMass at UTEP. Like that's the schedule lottery winner of the year. Like wow. they do not play a single Power Five. They don't even play like a it's, tough it's, group. It's, it's, it's crazy. Like <laughs> I, the only concern, you know, so they have a new coach. Uh, yeah. Hugh Freeze li- leaves Liberty. Um, heads back to the SEC. Fun times there. We'll see what happens with <laughs> Auburn. Hit it ever. Um, yeah, exactly. Uh, oh, but in comes Jamie Chadwell, who was the architect of Coastal Carolina becoming a power in the Sun Belt. Um, and one thing Freeze did do, like he, you know, they had a, a very, very talented offense. Um, you know, they returned like three or four. Of their, their, they had three quarterbacks play last year, and they all returned. Um, they do don't have a lot of returning starters on defense. There's only three stars returning on defense, but I think I trust Chadwell as a, as a good enough coach. And with this schedule, like I, you know, this is going to be over eight wins for sure. I don't know if they're going to win the conference because, like I said, they have that Western game on the road. But those are my two teams to meet for the conference championship. Um, and then after that, like it's just kind of a meh bunch of teams. Like UTEP is. You know, they always kind of have some high hopes. But they really are just like a, a disappointment, kind mm. of like a six and six kind of team. Yeah. Um, they do have their quarterback, Gavin Hardison, returning. So that's a plus for them. Um, Louisiana Tech gets uh, Bachmeyer transfer in from Boise. So he's definitely an upgrade on what they've had recently at quarterback last year. But their defense was so, so bad last year. I don't know if I can, we can trust them. Um, Middle Tennessee State is always kind of a, a they're a solid program. Uh, they're going to win their six or seven games every year. Um, you know, and uh, Stockstill's been there forever, it feels like, at Middle Tennessee. Um, but I don't think they're quite as good as um, Liberty and Western Kentucky, as I mentioned. Um, New Mexico State was one of the surprises of the bowl season or just the season in general last year. As they, Like I mentioned, they've been a doormat for so long. And they end up getting to a bowl at six and six. They win that bowl, even though it was Central Michigan. They still, um, they still won the game, and they have a, a bunch of starters returning. Uh, Jerry Kill, uh, you know, we've talked about him on the show before. Mm-hmm. He's had a number of health problems, which kind of kept him out of coaching for for you know off and on for a number of years. But you know, wherever he went, like he's done a good job building up the program, and he seems to be doing that with New Mexico State. And they have a pretty good schedule, so maybe they're kind of a sleeper team to watch out for after those top those top two teams. Um, and then, you know, FIU, uh, they should be, they should be pretty bad. Uh, once again, maybe on the level of the two, um, F, the new two newcomers with Sam Houston and Jacksonville. Um, so yeah, this is, this is an interesting conference. The one thing I do enjoy about this conference is they made a great decision. I don't know if you saw this Dave, but they're going to be playing all of their conference games in October on Tuesdays, Wednesdays, or Thursdays. Oh. So it's like you get them, you get the action in November. Now you're going to get the CUSA action in uh, in October. <laughs> it, so it's going to be a beautiful thing. We're going to have yeah. you know New Mexico State and Sam Houston State on our TVs uh, in two on Tuesdays and Wednesdays in October, which I think it's it's ingenious. Um, you know, you want to get more exposure for your league and your programs, and of course, like gamblers are going to be betting on that yeah. and uh, and watching them. So it's it's a it's a good thing. It's a good uh, good situation for for the conference USA. But yeah, I think it's going to be. Um, Western Kentucky and, and Liberty is my uh, choice for the two um, the conference championship game this year. I don't know if you had any. What were your thoughts when you were kind of looking at this league? It, it definitely is a lot of unknowns. With, yeah, with yeah, some of these, a lot of question marks. Schools. Yeah, but definitely of the of the group, I probably would feel the most depend. I feel would depend the most on Western Kentucky at least making it to the conference championship game. 
I do like Liberty. You're right about Liberty. Like, they've had some very solid teams in the last five years. Like, you know, when Malik Willis was there, it was a really dynamic team, really fun to watch. And it really hasn't changed a lot since then. I mean, surely, yeah, it's going to be different with a new coach. But, you know, I still think this is going to be a very pesky team. So look out for those guys, too. So I'm pretty pretty much in line. I, I also agree with Middle Tennessee. They should be fine. Um, yeah. I just wonder if UTEP might, like, foul up some seasons. They could play spoiler during certain, certain parts of the year. They, they're not a pushover like they used to be. I mean, they're still bad, but they're you know, five and seven. Does that for, be a pushover? What was that? Who could be a pushover or like? Oh, spoiler? UTEP, because like they were five and seven oh, yeah. last year. Yeah, yeah. So they're not. Yeah, they have a they kind of a, a weird home field advantage. Like you know, mm-hmm. the stadium it's the Sun Bowl. Like it's tucked away in the mountains there, and it's just kind yep. of a kind of a little tough place to play. But yeah, they, they I could see them upsetting a couple teams, but then like losing themselves to like a, a, a you know a bad team. Oh so, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it could, could go either way with the yeah, games will be definitely interesting to watch with um with all these teams really. Yeah. yeah. No arguments on that, any of that. So yeah, that's my that's my thoughts in Conference USA. Let's uh, move ahead. So next, this keeps getting better because like the, we we get to some really good conferences next. So Maction, of course, the 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 Godfathers of the midweek game, basically. Um, it's great to see them back too. And every year seems to be a different story. I mean, it's always it's always fun to watch. Um, <laughs> you did mention Ohio. That's kind of a tradition in and of itself. Like the Mac team losing in the bowl season, like is kind of a thing. <laughs> uh, yeah, fade the Mac and the bowls. Most of the time, you're going to be making you're going to be making some money. They won a couple of them last year. Yeah, they did. I yeah, a little bit better than most years, I think. Uh, I think definitely uh, better in that regard. But Ohio was still pretty hilarious. Like that was like it wasn't even close. Like they, I think they got tore. If I'm remembering correctly, they got blown. They they were pretty much never in it for good parts i try to remember but I, I think that's what i remember um anyway uh moving to yeah uh, you're always good for some excitement in this league this is one of the few leagues that didn't really have any major realignment but so we have a lot of familiar faces going into here Buff, buffalo post leopold is a very kind of a sad story um and that we kind of saw that last year I would be curious as to where who you would pick to you would you would pick to win this win this conference. Uh, it'll be an interesting watch for sure. I mean, it's always going to be exciting though. That's the one thing we know for sure. So, uh, John, I'll give it to you for your Mac thoughts. Yeah, action. I mean, like we said, Tuesdays and Wednesdays in November, like that's where it's at. So it's, it's kind of Conference USA is kind of hoping to do the same thing in October. But yeah, there's no realignment here. There's nothing that's more uh, solid than the Mac and in, in, uh, expansion because no one's coming in and no one's leaving the Mac. Um, at this point, they're all kind of just, um, you know, uh, sticking together, which would you, you love to see it. Um, so, yeah, the MAC, they're sticking with their same two divisions, East and West. So, obviously, the winners of both will play in the in the championship game. Um, and when I look at these teams, I mean, I think it's – I mean, the obvious pick is going to be Toledo uh, out of the West. They finally got over the hump last year and won the MAC championship. However, we'll put it with a caveat, Ohio's quarterback – um, uh, Rourke was hurt and he didn't play in the game. Um, so that could be a, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens this year. If that's the rematch again for the, um, for the championship. But, you know, we've, we've talked about Toledo before, like they're always probably the most talented roster and the ta- most talented team. And again, this year they really should be, um, Daquan Finn returns. Like he's a, he's a playmaker at quarterback. Um, and they're pretty loaded in general, but I just have questions about, uh, Jason Candle. He just 
he just blows a number of these games. Like I'm, two years ago, I'm looking at it right now. Like he lost three games as like a 10 point favorite or more. Like how you can't trust this guy. Um, you know, and they finally got over the hump last year, but again, like it was because um, of Ohio's quarterback situation, just, you know, they were, they were rolling in November and then he, uh, Rourke gets hurt and, you know, they ended up, um, you know, winning the MAC championship, but in any event, you know, Toledo should be the class of the West division. Um, if I had to pick a team to challenge them, I like central Michigan. Um, you know, you've seen Jim McElwain do it in this conference before, like it, the year before he came in, they were one in 11 or two and 10 or something like that. And he got them to like eight or nine wins. Uh, last year was a little bit of a rough year. They had a, a number of, of injuries, um, but they have, uh, you know, that's going to help them serve them well for, for better depth this year. Um, and they have a, an electric playmaker quarterback, Burt Emanuel, uh, Jr., rather, his dad obviously played in the NFL. But, um, you know, I remember this game against Buffalo last year in the snow. Like, he was just, just going absolutely crazy, just running and passing. And, like, it was just fantastic to watch. Um, so I, I do like I do like Central Michigan as a potential challenger. Uh, you know, I, I like the coaching, you know, um, as I mentioned. And, um, you know, I think they're the, the the second best team, I guess, in the West. And then kind of after that, uh, Northern Illinois and Eastern Michigan, you can kind of group them together. Um, Northern, Northern Illinois, Rocky Lombardi, another guy, like how does, how does he have eligibility still left at this point? But he does. He's a uh, playing quarterback for Northern Illinois. Um, they they when they made the NAC title game two years ago, they won like an insane number of games by like one or two points, and that's basically how they got there. Um, and and um, you know that wasn't really sustainable last year. They kind of took a step back. They had some injuries, so they should be a little bit better this year. Um, same with Eastern Michigan. Uh, they do lose their their quarterback who graduated, um, but I, I again like the coaching in this conference. Like Eastern Michigan wasn't much of anything until uh, Chris Creighton got there and. He's really done a good a good job with the program. Uh, my my theory with Eastern Michigan has always been, you bet them when they're an underdog, and you fade them when they're a favorite because they always play like just incredibly co- close games and there's a lot of variance. Um, you know they're they're kind of undersized on the defensive line, which is you know a little bit of an issue, but they 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 overcome that and um, they should be in the middle of the pack of the of the West Division. And then your bottom two teams are Ball State and. Um, Western Michigan, there's like a complete, complete rebuild on that side of the um, of the division. They they fired their longtime coach, uh, Tim Lester, and um, you know they bring in Lance Taylor. I don't know much about him, and they have a lot of transfers uh, going out. Um, as I mentioned, they brought in the quarterback from Old Dominion. I don't know if that's going to do much for them. Uh, we'll see. Um, Ball State again, it's kind of a similar situation. They bring in. Uh, another group of five quarterback, Lane Hatcher. I mean, he he's been everywhere, that guy, but I don't know. Like I'm not really seeing um, you know, a lot of success uh for, for ball state. Kind of they might be your typical like six and six kind of team. Um, but I think that's kind of the pecking order. I would say Toledo's a little bit ahead of um central Michigan and then kind of eastern Michigan and northern Illinois, and then ball state and western Michigan are your bottom two teams. Um, and then if you, you look over at the East division, again, like you've got to be all in on this Ohio team. Like they are, uh, the offense is just going to be electric. So Rourke is back. You should, you know, he's going to be healthy. Um, after that injury, uh, Curtis Rourke, obviously his brother, Nathan is, is tearing it up in the CFL. If you, if you follow that, um, and, and they just have playmakers all over the place. Uh, Bangora at running back is a beast. 
and Sam Wigloos won me some money on DFS college football last year, like during those midday nice. or midweek matching games. Yeah, like Ohio State transfer. Uh, their offense is just fantastic. Um, and, you know, once Solich left, he left like in the middle of spring practice. So that first year was kind of tough for them. Um, you know, they went three and nine, but they definitely found it last year, especially toward the end of the year, especially when Warwick was in there and they were just, uh, the, the offense just clicked. Um, I, I think they're going to win the East uh, pretty easily. Um, and, you know, they'll, they'll face off Toledo uh, in, the, in the MAC championship in, in a rematch. I would like to pick against Toledo, but I just they're too talented to even, um, you know, uh, withstand uh, how Candle can fuck up these games sometimes. Um, and so the rest of the division, um, yeah, Buffalo and Miami are kind of the next tier, I would say. Um, you know, Buffalo post Leopold, like you mentioned, Dave, you know, it's definitely a transition for them. Um, they've been recruiting really well. They're like one of the, the top recruiting uh, teams in the MAC. But, you know, we'll see if they can put it together. Um, you know, Miami, Ohio returns Brett Gabbert. So that kind of gives them an edge. When they were when he was healthy, they were they were a, a very solid team. So I would say they're probably uh, the um, top challenger to Ohio. Um, and then when you go to the bottom, I actually think Akron is going to be ahead of Bowling Green and Kent State this year. Um, year two under Joe Moorhead, and we mentioned how good of a, a, a get it was for the back in a school like Akron to pull him in. Um, they have a number of returning starters. They bring in power five transfers. That It's all going to start to mesh a little bit. I don't think they're going to be in the basement at all this year. Um, I think they can make that jump um, from out of the cellar and possibly flirt with bull eligibility, bull eligibility um, towards the end of the season. Uh, and the two clear worst teams to me are Bowling Green and Kent State, especially Kent State, and we'll get to them in a second. But um, Bowling Green had one of the most experienced teams in the country last year, and they only went 6-6. Six and six. And now they lose all that experience. I don't think Leffler is a good coach at all. Um, Bowling Green is a huge fade team for me uh, coming into the year. Same thing with Kent State. And um, it's crazy. Uh, so their coach, Sean Lewis, who did a great job at Kent State, he le he leaves Kent State to be the offensive coordinator at Colorado for Deion Sanders. So he didn't even leave to be a head coach. And obviously, I, you're working for Coach Prime in Colorado. You're getting your name out there. But mm. you leave an offensive uh you leave for an offensive coordinator position. It kind of tells you what, oh. you know, what, what, what value Kent State has yeah. for, for him or yeah. college football in general. Um, so the first time I've ever seen this, and just like you know, studying or following college football, they have zero returning starters on offense. Zero. That's crazy. Um, it's a whole new team of wow. like transfers. They have a few returning starters on defense, but yeah. their defense was horrible to begin with. It's a completely new team, so it's a mystery. But at the same time, like I don't think it's going to go very well. Um, they might not win a game all year. Maybe. Well, they play uh, my they play my Central Connecticut Blue Devils. So if they don't win that one, they're definitely not going to win a game. Um, other than that, I don't I don't That's see a win on the schedule. It's it's going to be really it's going to be really rough for them. Um, so yeah, and any under on them too, like three and a half. Wait, which I, I, wait, just to repeat, we're, we're, we're talking Kent State or Akron. I couldn't. I was kind of losing oh, track. Oh, Kent State is going to be. Oh, oh, I see perfect. that. Yeah, I see that. Too. Akron, I think, can make a little bit of a jump up in the standings mm -hmm. this year, but Kent State. Zero returning stars on offense. A coach from a running backs coach from Minnesota, so yeah. their new head coach. Uh, is... I just don't see it <laughs> with uh, Kent State. So yeah, it's gonna be a rough, a rough uh, go for the old Golden Flashes. Yeah. But yeah, um, Toledo and Ohio—it's a chalk pick, but I don't see any other way to go for this for this conference. But I think Ohio will win it this year. I'm, I'm 
big fan of Ohio. And they have a very interesting Week Zero game, Dave. We're going to talk Week Zero next week. We can get to it. But uh, they play at San Diego State in Week Zero. And that's oh. a really fun fun group of five matchup. Yeah. Is that in just to just, re, just is that in San Diego or is that in um is that in Ohio? That is in San Diego. Ooh, yep. That's tempting. <laughs> I might just drive down. Yeah, it's a good I see the spread is like three and a half. Nice. I'm gonna have game. to take Ohio. I'm gonna have to take the money line and mm-hmm. I'm gonna go over on points in that one. Yeah. I think it's there's gonna be some points. Well, scored. that's an interesting call with the San Diego State team. Even though I know that your coaching is changing everything. I mean an over in a San Diego State game is a very interesting call. Well but but you know what there's there's definitely something to it though. Tell me something to it. Uh, you have to see what the number is too. If it's like, if it's like forty, if it's like thirty-eight, yeah, definitely try it. Oh, I, it's got to be more than that. I figure it might be more than that. Yeah. Yeah, it's got to be. It's, it's got to be at least forty-five. I think. Yeah, I'll have to yeah. After, yeah. But, um, that would be very. What were your feelings on um, on the map or any um, upsets? Or were you kind of feeling the same for Toledo versus Ohio as like the championship? Yeah, um, I, I definitely like Toledo. I think Toledo is just one of those teams that's always going to be in the mix. I mean, it's a very, I mean, especially offensively, it's just a really fun team to watch. So I, I, I don't see any reason for that to get, go differently this year. I have to photograph myself in a huge way on a lot of levels. I'm completely borked my memory of the of the bull season. Um, so the game that I thought was hilarious is actually when um, Central Michigan. Central Michigan? Yeah, I'm making sure to get this making sure I get this right. Central Michigan absolutely hammered I, mean, I cannot find the score. Oh, San Jose State in the famous Idaho Potato Bowl. That's yes, the game. They beat Eastern Michigan, yes. Eastern Michigan, okay. So it's yep. Eastern Michigan. And they beat so you remember like you're saying you, you bet them when they're an underdog? Cool. Yep. A phenomenal call if you did that back then. I'm sure you did. I mean that's that's a great Oh absolutely. That was one of my picks for the bowl confidence. Like, yep. San, those San Jose kids didn't want to go up to Boise to play in that that snow that uh, a, or the, the cold. Eastern Michigan sure did. So, yeah, that's that, a great that, call. that was the angle on that one. So, yeah, I mean, the Mac did a really good job for themselves in bowl season. I do have to owe them an apology for just, like, clowning them. But they had a pretty good bowl season. Like, I'm just looking through all the scores. And, like, it's it's pretty – they did a pretty good job. I think so, Leo won their game. I think they beat Liberty, right, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken. Um, yeah, they beat them 21-19, yeah. to 19, it looks like. Close game. Yeah. I, yeah, that was an exciting game too. I remember. Yeah, pretty yep. pretty good stuff. So uh, you know, and so New Mexico beating Bowling Green. I mean, that's Bowling Green was that uh, that, that game annoyed me a lot. Yeah, I can hear because I had I I picked Bowling Green in that game, and it was a I realized after like a quarter <laughs> it was it was a mistake. But hey, like we talked about before, New Mexico yep. State they they're doing a good job. Yep. But yeah, I think I think Bowling Green it's gonna be a, it's gonna be rough after losing all that experience. Yep. Uh, I'll give you my prediction for the other division. Boy, what a call. You have to pick between Bowling Green, Buffalo. and Ohio. I'm going to go boring. I'm going to go Ohio, too. I'm going to go with Ohio. Yeah, I mean, you don't want to overthink of it, you know. They'll be all right. You know, they're not going to be under 500 or anything. So. so Ohio and Toledo. There we go. Okay, so let's move into some juice it just gets juicier with each with each of these conferences so now we're going to the mountain west and we talked about san diego state just a minute ago um they are part of a collection of uh, teams that um it's, it's gonna be pretty another i mean mountain west is definitely as you were saying at the start of the show like they've become like one of the better conferences one of the more dependable reliable and particularly when you're talking looking for value it's a really good conference for that standpoint i have gone to um i have gone to is that a home run 
I'm playing the role of Andy here. Oh, come on. Be a home run. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> what action? What action do you have tonight, Dave? FanDuel. So it's my FanDuel. I have Corey nice. Seager on my FanDuel lineup, and there we he go. just hit a two-run home run. Everybody, let's go. Perfect. Nice. Um. Anyway. Um. Yeah. I mean, it's always it's always a lot of fun, and I keep forgetting that they don't have divisions this year. Yeah, they so, got rid of that for this year. I, I, or maybe they started. It I last think they did it last year, year too, but it's weird. Yeah. Yeah. It's really weird. Um. I kind of like it. I mean. It's good when you have like a bunch of teams that can contend for the for the championship that would have been in one division, you know, mm-hmm. um, because then you or otherwise you end up with like the ACC Atlantic when it's you know a seven and five team uh, or coastal rather, you know, it's a seven and five team playing Clemson and they get their asses kicked every year, um, you know, rather you get now you get the two best teams in. So mm-hmm. I, I like the uh, the no division aspect. I would love to see the Big Ten try that for a year because that that would get interesting. I think they're going to start it next year. Honestly. Oh wow! I, I, I'm pretty sure. So we <laughs> could be getting Michigan, Ohio State every year in the wow. Big Ten championship. I would not. I would not. I would not complain about that. That'd be a good game. It'd be pretty good. It would be unfair. USC breaks through. And, well, know. yeah. Then yeah. Then I'll start griping uh, about it. That's true. That's true. Um, well, let's see. So we're looking at the Mountain West. Like as I was saying, I mean. Um, a lot of solid teams here. The favorite to win the conference. That's this is an interesting call. I mean, I probably I mean you'll probably always people you'll have plenty of people picking Boise State, though you know, and they they did their thing last year, as you all know. Fresno State had a great year last year. We'll see if that carries over this time around too. Um, and then we mentioned San Diego State, which uh, you know, new coaching, new everything else, but uh, still solid. Always finding ways to win games and. Doing it, grinding it out, grinding out. Wyoming is an interesting look. Then you know, yeah. like, will they be in the mix this year? I don't know. It's it's. I'm gonna give it to you and give you get your look at the Mountain West. I mean, definitely a lot of scenarios to look into here, John. Yeah. Well, before I kind of dive into some of the teams, so how would you, what would you think about a conference where you have the remaining Pac-4 and they add like Boise, San Diego State. Fresno State, Colorado State, and then um, there's talks of like SMU and Tulane. Like that'd be a pretty good conference, yeah. like a ten-team conference. I mean, it's not as good as the Pac-12 was, and we'll get to the Pac-12 tomorrow. But yeah. you know, this could be like one of the best years of the Pac-12 ever, and like it's it's completely. Disappearing. I know it's it's what which, makes which it so difficult. Like the Pac-12 is rated to the every the valuation the the the. Um, Projections are really good for a lot of these teams. Oregon, yeah. Washington, yeah. USC. There's like six teams that are really good. The top six teams are, you know, great. It's such a shame. Um, <laughs> I really yeah, blame uh, blame uh, George. What's his face for like thinking they could get fifty something million dollars a year? Like, dude, take just take the money when you when you could get it. Like, you're not you're on the west. I know you have brands, but you're on the west coast, and like you're. Uh, just makes me mad like i think they wanted to stay together for the most part but they the the commissioner just completely just fumbled the bag on everything and the school presidents too it just it just it's sad oh really really in a big way in a big way i think like you mentioned i think they jumped the gun so hugely like and i really didn't really even consider your point from the beginning of the show where you mentioned that you're actually losing your advantage to get to the college champion football championship by going to a bigger conference you're absolutely right it's a great point it's like there's a reason why the SEC always plays all those cupcakes at the beginning of the season. Like they don't want to lose their advantage, you know, with the record. Yeah. It's it's just the Pac-12 has just never really had that kind of vision, and 
and that's and I can talk about I can talk about like the previous commissioner and how bad he was and that the, how he fumbled the ball with a TV contract and that's probably why we are where we are. They had the TV deal. They had a good like TV network. If they were with ESPN or something like an ESPN like branded network, we'd have a Pac-12. I mean, let's be honest. Like this, this these are strong teams. They recruit well. They send people to the NFL. It's just such a just a bummer that it just has come to this. So, I also what it said anyway, by the way. Oh, go ahead, All right, John. I was gonna say we we digress. We can we can delve more into it tomorrow. Uh, tomorrow. Right. I just yeah, wanted yeah, to yeah. mention that as like a potential, you know, I, conference that's being floated out there. Yeah. What, what are these four schools gonna do? Like, what's Stanford and Cal and Washington State and Oregon State gonna do? Like. Cal and Stanford could probably go independent and they could probably still put a, a decent schedule together, but like, why do they want it? Like, I don't know if they want to do that. Like, yeah. just, I don't know. It's just, it's just a tough thing. So, so if you're trying to get, like, get a conference together, taking like the, basically it's like taking the best of the best from like the, the other conferences and like kind of cobbling them together at yeah. this point is, is kind yeah. of the, the idea. But, um, that's yeah, what I was... for this year. I just thought yeah, that that's what ahead. was going to happen. I thought the Pac-12 would have just merged with whatever was left over the Mountain West, and we would have had a new Pac-12. Like, I, it honestly surprised me that you know, like, you had all that. Like, well, I think some of the thing is like Boise State would have been an easy addition for years, but they didn't yeah. want to be associated with a school like Boise State because it's basically, it's not exactly Stanford. Like, let's put it that way. <laughs> um, so right, you know, they right. didn't want to be associated with kind of a lower level kind of school. Mm -hmm. um where the academics aren't as you know the, the entry requirements and the academics aren't as strong and they just wanted to, to be with their own kind well you know it's kind of coming back to haunt you it really point. is it, very true i mean i've always i've always appreciated that commitment to academics but it's just like when you're too hard when you're too hard-headed about that as you said it is it ultimately cost them in a lot of ways and so anyway let's go to mountain west and yeah, let's get All your right, predictions yeah. All right, Mountain West. Uh, love this conference because, you know, you get the late night college uh, degenerate action. You get like late Friday nights. Like this is this is great. Um, I think, you know, when you look at the top of the conference, um, you know, you're going to have four or five teams here that are going to be in contention. You know, your usual suspects with Boise State and, you know, uh, Air Force, San Diego State, Wyoming, Fresno. Those are kind of your top <laughs> your top five uh, five teams. Um, I'm not a huge fan of Boise State, to be honest with you. I know they kind of resurrected their their year last year after um, Bachmeyer, as we mentioned, he, he ended up going to Louisiana Tech, but he basically quit the team and um, Taylor Green came in and he was uh, more of a running focus, uh, you know, doing a lot of options and, and those kind of things. Um, and their offense just really took off to, to go along with their defense, which is pretty good. Um, but they had, you know, Dirk Cutter kind of came in as like a consultant slash coordinator, and, and that kind of really um, sparked everything. But that's that's gone now. Um, Green still remains, but I just have questions about their um, about uh, you know their offensive philosophy and what they're what they're doing um, with that team. Um, they've kind of lost a little of the mystique, uh, you know, on the blue field recently. Um, and you know, and their their coach Avalos is kind of it's kind of the same thing as we talked about with Toledo. Like I really don't trust him that much uh so I, I get it why they're one of the favorites but i'm, I'm really not, honestly not that big of a fan of boise um but then again like all right like who's gonna rise up and, and kind of beat them at this point um air force is always really solid uh, we know that uh calhoun has been there for years 
uh, at this point. Um, they do lose Hazik Daniels and Brad Roberts were the kind of the one-two combination of their quarterback running back. But we know with Air Force, it's basically it's just a, it's a system. So as long as you have the line play, which they do, plug another quarterback in there, give it to the fullback. And Air Force does, even in before these new rules with the NCAA, they seem to pass, uh, you know, do more passing plays than, say, Army and Navy. Um, but, you know, I, I don't see any problem with the, the new quarterback coming in, whoever it is. And there's, you know, there's a competition going on. Um, and their defense was just absolutely fantastic last year. Um, and they should be pretty good. Um, they, they like were one of the, the top 10 in terms of points allowed um, last year in the country. So, you know, and they, and they won 10 games. They did have a couple losses, like head, head scratching losses, or else they would have been in the Mountain West Championship game, which kind of worries you. Like they can, you know, if they play a team that has a good defensive line, you can kind of stop that option at the line of scrimmage and not, you know, let you get those four or five yards at a time. Um, they're going to be, you know, they're beatable in that, in that situation. But, there's not a lot of teams that can uh, that can do that, um, but I, you know I, I'm pretty high on this Air Force team. Um, you know, if you move down the list here to San Diego State, I'm not feeling it for them this year. I you know we we talked about it earlier, Dave, when we mentioned the Ohio game. Yep. Their defense kind of slipped slipped back towards the end of the year, so that's why I'm kind of thinking when it comes to the over uh, in that game. You really think of San Diego State as kind of like this grinded out team, like they want to win games like 17 to 14. That's not really what they were doing towards the end of last year. This is true. They were this down to like, you know, their fourth or fifth quarterback was actually a former cornerback, uh, Jalen Maiden. Um, and he he played really well, and he's the projected starter heading into this year. So they're going to be a little better on offense, quite not quite as good on defense. Um, so maybe some overs for the Aztecs this year, especially that week one game, like maybe a shootout with Ohio. But I'm not a fan on, on uh, of Brady Hoke. I think maybe he's kind of taken them as far as he can get them. Um, I, I really don't. They're, they're certainly not comparable to like the Rocky Long years with, with his defense that he had there. So they're going to be in the upper half of the conference. I'm just not feeling them for, uh, um, you know, to, to make the championship game. Um, and then you have Fresno State, Jeff Tedford, fantastic job. Like one of the better mid-major coaches in the country. You know, obviously, he did all the work he did back with, you know, at Cal, Aaron Rodgers, and then he comes over to Fresno, instantly turns the program around, uh, has to has to uh, step down for some health reasons, comes back again last year, and wins the Mountain West Championship. Now, Jake Hanner's gone. He's in the NFL, which is a concern, and they lose some other key offensive pieces, but they do get uh, transfer, as we mentioned, Mikey, Mikey Keene over from UCF, so that was a big, a good get for them. I think I'm just going to trust, uh, you know, Tedford in the coaching. Um, you know, their schedule's pretty favorable. Um, so I, I, I just definitely think that's, you know, when you when you have a bunch of teams that are kind of jumbled, I think that's kind of where I lean is when you go with coaching. Um, and then, like, kind of the last team in the upper half, I would say, was Wyoming. And they were projected to be just absolutely horrible last year. They were, like, gutted in the transfer portal. Um, but Craig Bull did a fantastic job and uh, got them to a bowl game, and they won. They beat Ohio. Uh, obviously, you know, we talked about how Ohio wasn't completely full strength, but still, I mean, that's a good win. And they return almost every starter on defense, so their defense is going to be fantastic. They just need to get a little something out of their offense. Um, they have a, their quarterback, Andrew Peasley, does return, but, 
you know, he did, well, didn't hit a high percentage of his passes. So it's all going to come down to if their offense can be more productive. But their defense should keep them in every game. Um, and, you know, we know Wyoming is a really tough place to play. So they could, they could be a, a very sneaky pick to win the conference, in my opinion. Um, those are kind of your top teams. And then after that, it's just kind of, you know, again, kind of meh for the rest of the conference. Um, San Jose State, uh, Shevin Cordero returns, and he was a Hawaii transfer at quarterback. They did make a bowl game last year. Um, so they should be, again, they should be a bowl team, but I don't see them making that jump to like the uh, top of the conference. Now, Colorado State is a team that a lot of people are high on. So you had Jay Norvell come in last year, and it was just a complete just dumpster fire because they had so many injuries and they were breaking in a new offensive line. They, they barely could, they could barely could score. Um, but now uh, they have um, a lot of, uh, you know, depth and experience because of guys that played, they bring in more transfers. They're going to be much improved uh, this season, uh, Colorado state. So they're, they're going to move up the, the standings, I think. So they could be a team that could sneak up on some people. Not sure they're the top of the conference this year, but they could definitely sneak up on some people. Um, UNLV has a new head coach. Uh, they bring over Barry Odom and he was previously at Missouri. He was defensive coordinator at some other SEC schools. So I think that was a pretty good hire. Um, and they have, uh, the whole key to UNLV is does Doug Brumfeld play their quarterback when he plays like UNLV is very competitive, um, and could get some upsets. I think they could, could be a bowl team if he plays all year, but not sure. Again, like they're kind of a middle of the pack team and not, um, not really anything more than that, but I do like their trajectory for sure. Uh, uh, moving forward, and then you know, you, uh, New Mexico could be improved. I will say, it certainly can't get any worse for them. Uh, they had just an absolutely horrific offense last year. They could barely score, um, and a they were the benefits of um, UAB's uh, misfortune, I guess you could say, with uh, the whole Trent Dilfer scenario because they bring in uh, Dylan Hopkins. Uh, UAB's quarterback and their offensive coordinator, the former interim coach from uh, UAB, Brian Vincent. So there's some good continuity there. And we know their defense is good. Like they were still even in these games scoring like 10, 13 points. So they can just get a little bit of offense. They could be a bowl team. Um, so I think New Mexico will be a little bit improved. Um, and then I think the two teams in the bottom of the conference are going to be Utah State and Hawaii. Um, Utah State just loses a ton of, of production. Um, and you know, they had a bunch of close wins, so I, I'm just not seeing it. They only had nine starters, uh, returning. Um, they lost a lot of their playmakers. I'm just not feeling it, uh, with Utah State at all. Um, Anderson, Blake Anderson is usually a pretty good coach, so maybe they'll surprise, but I'm just not really seeing it from Utah State. And then, uh, poor Hawaii, uh, should probably be in the bottom of the conference again. Um, you know, Timmy Chang, the famous Hawaii quarterback. He's trying to, he's doing his best trying to get uh, his run and shoot um, implemented, but uh, it's been a struggle. It was, they were competitive, I will say, in some not some conference games last year, um, but it, I think it's going to be another, another rough year for, for Hawaii. So, um, you know, the, the, the bailout game at midnight uh, on the islands, you know, you always look to take Hawaii, but maybe, maybe that's not the case this year. We'll see them next week, week zero playing at Vanderbilt. So we'll see. Uh, it's a long trip. We'll see how that goes for for Hawaii. But yeah, so if, if I'm going to make a bold prediction here for the Mountain West, I'm going to say I'm going to go Air Force and Fresno State. 
just to be a little different because I think I think this conference can be pretty wide open for these uh, for, for those top teams. And I think I think that's how it's going to shake out. I'm interested to hear your thoughts on the on the conference. Yeah, I, I love this. I love this. I I, I think. Um... First of all, Fresno State. I'm I'm all I'm all about that. I, I think Tedford will continue his good run that he's having that with with the Bulldogs. Like that's a that's a solid solid program right now. Uh, that's that's where I want to be. Um, yeah, you you really did make a good point about San Diego State's like defense, like just not and and just as you mentioned, Brady Hook's just a good a good coach to fade in general, like a general principle. So it's a really good point on that as well. I'm gonna before we get into this. I want to. I do. We do. Uh, they always set odds for the first week of the season in the week zero games way in advance. So if you'd like to hear it, the over under for the Ohio San Diego State game coming up, forty nine points. Wow. You know what, Dave? I'm gonna, I'm still playing the over. I, think, I believe in. I believe in Ohio's offense. Yeah. And I don't think San Diego State's defense is gonna be as good as it has been in the past. I mean. The Hawaii Bowl, they gave up 25 to Middle Tennessee State. Yep. Uh, looking at them right now, they only have six starters returning. Um, yeah, I, and I think and, and San Diego State has improved on offense, like I talked about when they put Maiden in there. So, I'm, yeah, I'm in on the over. Give me the over for that game. Yeah, I, I you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm seeing, I'm seeing it too. I'm seeing it too. And um, if you, I mean, I, I mean, you know, the percent of bets on the thing doesn't necessarily reflect exactly where the public is, but. But be that as it may, 87%, 87% so far. And granted, this is probably not that big a sample size, but it does say something when it's 87% of the public is on it. So, yeah, I think your head's in the right spot here. Pretty cool. Um, oh, yeah. yeah let's so, do it. Yeah, we got, we got seven games next week yeah. on uh, week zero. So That'll be fun. Yeah, week zero yeah. is going to be a good time. It's going to be a good time. I think I'll actually be in the mix, like watching them this year. Like I'm really looking forward to these games. Like it'll be really, it'll be quite an interesting weekend. It gets bigger and bigger each week too. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. Like a couple of years ago, I was like, all right, we're gonna have one game in like you know, yeah, Ireland. Well, there is a game in Ireland this year, but just in general, like we're gonna have like one kickoff game. But now <laughs> it's like a full, it's like not a full schedule, but you have like seven FBS games, and then if you want to do a little FCS betting, there's three FCS games that day too. So you got like a full schedule of uh almost a full schedule of college football that day yeah so, it's gonna be great query query for you is nebraska minnesota the game that's in ireland this year uh no it is notre dame and navy next week okay so then will navy be the team that does not win a game on american soil this year <laughs> <laughs> oh man <Northwestern. laughs> what, what does that say about scott Frost? what a loser that guy was oh my god <laughs> Lost to one and eleven Northwestern, their only win in a uh, didn't even get a win in American soil, and they beat him in, in Ireland, wow. and then he's gone. <laughs> and then what ends up happening with the Northwestern program in the last couple of months? Oh my goodness! Incredible. Uh, yeah, and... yeah, Scott Frost, but he he fooled a lot of people at UCF, that's for sure. Yeah, my me too. Like yeah, I was one of yeah. them. You know, <laughs> not gonna not gonna lie. So. um yeah, so predict. Um, where was I going with that? Oh, yeah, but anyway, my predictions for the Mountain West. Yeah, so I definitely like Fresno State. The other team, I mean, I know it's the team we all love to hate, and certainly we're kind of in alignment as a panel for this. But listen, we can hate them, but Boise State's still going to win at least seven games this year. So I mean, I mean, I don't want to fight that. So I'll go Boise State for the second team. Yeah, no, I can't. I can't like 
say, you know, no, that's like that's not going to happen because they're clearly talented. I'm just not a yeah, not a fan of them at, at the moment. And, and kind of how they do no, things, totally, so. totally, totally, totally. It's going to be a fun conference race for sure. Oh yeah, 100. percent So that leaves us with one conference to recover. We can do independence too tonight since we have a little extra time. Yeah, so. sure, might as well. It was three of the four are not like. Well, we could do the three that are not, and then we can save Notre Dame for tomorrow. Yeah, let's save. Let's save Notre. We can trash Notre Dame tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, where's Tommy when you need him? Oh right? my gosh, I know. It was big finger. Tommy with big finger. <laughs> yeah. Alright, so we'll save Notre Dame for tomorrow. But first, before we get into any of that, Sunbelt Conference, which is again, it's just like I is it is it, is it safe to say they are the best conference in the big group of five right now? Yeah. It's close. Yeah. Like they have some dead weight at the bottom mm-hmm. of the conference. Like, you know, Old Dominion, Arkansas State, ULM, and Texas State are four of the worst teams in the country. But out of, outside of that, like, their top teams are really good. Yeah. So it, it's if, if the bottom could improve a little bit, I would say yes. But as of right now, I, I just because of that top to bottom, I don't think they're as good as um, the AAC or the uh, Mountain West. But it's close. Like, their top teams are really good, though, and which we'll mm-hmm. talk about. Yeah, absolutely. But so in the Sun Belt, I mean, we these top teams are quite the top teams. Like we have, we had Troy last year who had just an amazing time. USA, South University, of South Alabama, um, and then of course the talk of the town for well, actually there was actually two talks of the town last year, Coastal Carolina and James Madison. Boy, you talk about two teams that are on the rise. Like they're man, those are great programs. Now Marshall um, had a nice season too, but as we've talked about, Marshall is going to be moving to greener pastures. Um, this coming, I think it's going to be next year because I see they're still in the Sun Belt this year. Yeah, I don't think they're moving. I oh, no, 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 they're, they're moving into the Sun Belt. As you mentioned, it was, I had the bad yeah, so yeah, they, they came, came into the yep. Sun Belt. Yeah, yeah. Yep. So they're, they're, they're actually just getting started in that case. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then one of the team I kind of wanted to, I always had an eye on for a while is Georgia, um, Georgia State, though it didn't really go so well for them last year. So that's kind of a drag. I'm kind of disappointed. Um, and then Louisiana posts Billy Napier did okay. I mean, they were all right. We'll see if what they have this coming year. But all in all, a very fun conference to follow, and it should be a pretty solid year for the Sun Belt. John, what are your thoughts on the Sun Belt? Who do you have coming out of this conference? This will be a fun one. Yeah, this is a great. I, yeah, I love the Sun. I love the Sun Belt. Um, again, they're going to give you some weekday games too. Not as many as Conference USA. So I think they need to like do like Monday games or something. I don't know. They, they, because we need, mm-hmm. we need more Sunbelt, like Sunday, Monday or something. I don't know. Um, because the Sunbelt needs its own designated time. Uh, Cause this is a really good conference. Yeah. Like I said, um, the East is definitely stronger than the West because in the West you have, like I said, three teams that are pretty much dead weight. And we'll quickly mention them. Um, Arkansas state, Butch Jones still has a job somehow. <laughs> uh, he's still coaching at Arkansas state. Wow. Uh, they're horrible. Um, you know, their defense is, is, you know, just brutal. Um, they had last year, they had James Blackman was a Florida, former Florida state quarterback. I think you might remember him. Well, he's gone now. So like, that was the only player they had. So I don't know what they're going to be, uh, doing, uh, this year. It's not going to go well. Um, ULM, Louisiana Monroe, uh, you know, to just say it out. Uh, it's a really tough place to win at. And Terry Bowden has actually done a pretty good job getting them to four wins because it's usually just really rough there. But just because of just the constraints he has with talent and um, the location and budget and all that, it's just really tough to win there. 
Um, and, you know, they just get gutted. Any any good player just leaves uh, in the transfer portal. So, um, you know, they're going to be at the bottom again. Uh, if they can win four games, it'll be another success. And then Texas State could be interesting in the future um, because they bring over uh, G.J. Kinney. He's the new coach. And he was at – I actually remember him being a quarterback at Tulsa. It's, you know, you know, you're getting old and like you remember head coaches playing quarterback like 10 or 15 years ago. But um, he comes over from Incarnate Word, which like they're an FCS school and they put up just 50, 60 points a game. Like their offense was unbelievable. So he's trying to bring that over to the FCS, uh, FBS level. Might probably going to take a little bit, but they're going to score some points. So maybe Texas State is like an over team. But those three teams are clearly, they drag that division down. And then the rest of the schools, um, it's, it's, it's a two-team race between Troy and South Alabama. Uh, quickly, we'll mention Southern Miss and uh, Louisiana. I am not a fan of Louisiana. Um, <clears throat> after Napier left, they tried to keep their talent uh, together for the most part, and they did okay last year, but it clearly wasn't the same. Now they're losing a lot of experience. They had, had a number of close wins. Um, so I, I'm not really seeing it out of Louisiana as they kind of slide back into mediocrity even when napier was there they won a bunch of close games and i know they were they were kind of like always near the top of the conference but i think they're really sliding back now and i think they're they're further behind troy and south alabama and then southern miss is interesting because they don't really have a quarterback uh they well they again they played like a number of quarterbacks last year because they were injured and they have frank gore jr just give him the ball in the wildcat and he'll make it happen but I think they're a team on the rise, so watch out for them in, in the future. Um, I, they're going to be, I think they're going to be a bold team, uh, but they're not the class of the um, of the division, which is clearly uh, South Alabama and Troy. Uh, both teams won ten games last year, which is what you rarely see uh, for a um, for the Sun Belt. They each return uh, their respective quarterbacks, so uh, that's for um, for Troy uh, Gunnar Watson, and then for South Alabama, Carter Bradley. But the difference is uh, South Alabama returns a number of starters. Um, they have nine starters returning on offense and nine starters returning on defense. And their defense is one of the uh, better, uh, excuse me, better uh, defense in the Sun Belt, as with Troy. But I think that continuity is uh, much better with uh, South Alabama compared to Troy. Um, Troy only has six defensive starters returning. Uh, and Troy's defense was really good. I, you know, I'm not going to deny that. I mean, they won 12 games last year. I mean, it was uh, they were great. But I think uh, South Alabama has a little bit more punch on offense. Um, and if you remember, Dave, they had UCLA beat in the third game of the year yep. last year in UCLA. They should have won that game. Um, and their only other loss was a close loss to Troy. Um, it was a low, really low-scoring game, 6-10. to 10. It could have gone either way. So I think South Alabama gets their revenge this year and wins the division. I'm really high on this team uh, to, to make, you know, to win the conference and make some noise. Um, their coach, Kane Womack, came over from Indiana. He's done a fantastic job so far in his in his tenure there. Uh, Troy's going to be good again. Um, don't get me wrong. I and mean, they're still going to be pretty good on defense. Like I mentioned, Watson returns at quarterback. Um, but I just think South Alabama is a little more experienced and a little more talented, and they get their revenge this year. One of my favorite under-the-radar games, uh, not week zero, but week one, South Alabama at Tulane. That's going to be a fantastic game. Uh, yeah. So some group of five action, like two of the better teams in their respective conferences. But, yeah, I'm all over uh, South Alabama for this division. 
And then you go to the other side, and there's only one... Eh, yeah, there's one team that's a complete just dumpster fire. Old Dominion's going to be absolutely horrific. So bet, bet under wins on, on men. I, looking at their schedule, they might just win one game all year. Uh, they've lost their best players in the transfer portal to Power 5 schools. As I mentioned before, they lost their quarterback. Um, Hayden Wolf uh, left for Western Michigan, but he was okay. Like I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna shit on him. Um, and then they're bringing in the the offensive coordinator from Fordham and their the backup quarterback from Fordham uh, to be their quarterback. Uh, I don't think it's gonna go very well for Old Dominion this year. So they're a complete dumpster fire. Fade them, and uh, they're gonna finish last in the division. Georgia State might be a little bit better. They lost a lot of close games last year. Um, so their record was a little bit deceiving. If you remember, they had a crazy game with North Carolina. They lost by like seven. They're a pretty talented team. They just lost a lot of close games. So we'll see if they can improve on that, but um, they're kind of pegged towards the bottom of the division. And then um, Georgia Southern, uh, your boy, Clay Helton. Clay Helton, yep. yeah. That's right. He actually did a good job last (laughs) year. They got to a bowl game. I can't believe it. Came in and completely... (laughs) Uh, turned their option offense into an air raid passing attack, brought in a trans Kyle Van Trees from Buffalo to run it, and they it worked, and he did great. Um, you know, for, considering the expectations they had going in, like we all thought it was going to be a dumpster fire, and, you know, they won six games and, and made a bowl. Uh, they actually did lose the bowl game, which was annoying. You know, I think we all had them against Buffalo, but it was a good year. So he's trying to recreate the same thing this year bringing in Davis Brin from Tulsa. I think he's, I think he is better than Van Trees was coming in from Buffalo. So that could work, but those are clearly the bottom three teams in the division. And then you have your top four of Appalachian state, Marshall, coastal Carolina, and James Madison. Now, James Madison, the stupid NCAA still not eligible to play for the Sunbelt championship. This is a team that came up from the FCS last year, not much expectations, and just they would have played in the S- uh, Sun Belt Championship if they were eligible, yep. but they couldn't because of the NCAA is, is messed up for whatever reason. Yeah, oh yeah, you can join this conference, but you cannot play in the conference championship game. How the fuck does that make any sense to me? I don't know, um, but it is what it is. Uh, they do. Um, they are their quarterback Santeo graduated, so they have to replace him. But you know they still return a number of. Um, a number of players on defense. They do lose some offensive production, as I mentioned, but they should still be solid and they prove they can compete with the rest of the league. And even if, you know, they, they can't win the, the officially win the, the conference, but they're going to be in contention. Um, I'm not a fan of Appalachian state this year. They went six and six last year, and I don't see it really getting that much better for them. Um, they, they're kind of like Louisiana. Like they were the old guard of the Sun Belt. Yep. And now they've kind of slipped back to the back with everybody else. Um, they're, they're breaking in a new quarterback. They're always going to be kind of solid on the lines, but I, I'm just not really a fan of them uh, for this year. So the two teams I think it comes down to for me is Marshall and Coastal Carolina. Now, Marshall, terrific defense. I mean, they were just like smothering last year. Um, they, again, a team that just needs a little bit more uh, production on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, they had a, uh, their quarterback, uh, Cam Fancher, took over in the second half of last season and kind of gave them a little more stability. And they have Rashawn Ali, who's just a dynamic playmaker, um, 
and uh, running back. They do lose a lot on defense, but I, I kind of I trust their system and the talent they brought in. Um, they did beat Notre Dame on the road last year, if you remember that, which is just a, a terrific win for Marshall. Um, so it, it's going to come down to them and Coastal. And Coastal is an interesting team because, as we discussed with Liberty, they lose Chadwell, who goes to uh, Liberty, their coach, and they bring in Tim Beck, who has been an offensive coordinator at a number of schools. Nothing, like, amazing. Like, he's been at NC State in Texas. But I think the key here is not him. I think the key is Grayson McCall. And mm-hmm. he returns again uh, back for another year. He's only a junior, so he could play again. Like, he flirted with the NFL. He flirted going to, like, SEC schools. He's clearly the best player in this conference, has a number of other offensive uh, uh, starters returning. So they're going to be fine, I think, on offense. Their defense really took a step back last year, and I think um, that might be their issue with some of these other teams in the conference. But I think they might just outscore teams um, really in this conference, and they get they get Marshall at home, which I think is their toughest, uh, the closest competitor uh, rather. And then James Madison is ineligible, and they get them at home in their conference road games. I'm looking at their schedule right now. I just told you. At Old Dominion's a complete dumpster fire. At Arkansas State, all right, Butch Jones, like, forget that. At Georgia Southern could be a little tricky, and at Appalachian State could be a little tricky, even though I, I'm not a huge fan. So even if they just split those two and then won the rest of their games, like, they're going to win the division at, like, 7-1 and one or 6-2. and two. So I think with those games at home and with McCall, uh, I think they're going to they're gonna uh, one last stand here for for Coastal Carolina. It's kind of one of those things, like, you got to prove um, – you know, prove you can beat them until until you pick against them. Uh, if McCall is out, though, as we saw, he's like the whole team. Um, they went to James Madison at the end of the year last year when they had everything clinched and McCall was hurt, and they sat him, and they got just absolutely obliterated. So he needs to play. But if he plays all year, I think I think they're going to win the division. So, uh, again, chalky pick. Um, I guess it's chalky. I mean, they're one of the favorites, but they're not like an overwhelming favorite, but – um, Coastal and South Alabama would be my pick for the uh, Sun Belt Championship game, but yeah, I can't wait to watch some of these some of these teams and some of the non-conference games too. Like I mentioned, some really terrific games. Um, Coastal plays at UCLA Week One, so there you go. Yeah, that's on ESPN at like ten thirty mm-hmm. uh, East Coast time anyway on Week One. Like that's the perfect way to cap off your off your college football Saturday. Definitely, and and you know you know John, I I would absolutely take. The shots in that game. I'm sure they're going to be getting points. I yeah, mean, I, I think I saw maybe like it was 17 or something like that. Yeah, yeah that, that's going to be an interesting game. Oh yeah, yeah. I would say bet the over for that one. That yeah, that too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because that's what happened with the uh, with the South Alabama. That game was like 56 to 53 or something crazy like that. So I'm like, absolutely, I could see that happening with 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 the shots as well. Like it, it's definitely going to be a lot of points. So yeah, what an ex- what an, what another like really interesting game. I had that. I even told you about it. I think almost. I think it was in the middle of our golf preview one time. I was like, yeah, that- it was like months ago. You had that game circled yeah. on, your, <laughs> on your calendar. <laughs> it's pretty cool. <laughs> so uh, we'll see how that we'll see how that one plays out. Uh, what, what are you feeling for the Sun Belt? Yeah, no. Well, I'm definitely with you. With we were picking. Well, I, I think we both agree on Coastal, right? Or because James Madison. It's technically ineligible, which I get. Yeah, they agree. can't make it. So even if they finish first again, they can't play. That the sucks. Game, so. It's just yeah. it's ridiculous these rules. But they can somehow make a bowl game. I guess if there's not enough teams, they can play right. a bowl. Which is, 
That so was... Here you go. You can play in the Pop-Tarts Bowl, but you can't play in the Sun Belt <laughs> Championship. Who was it that was rendered ineligible for the, about that purpose? Because somebody had to be wiped out for some reason. I think it was like a COVID strike or so. COVID outbreak. Yeah, was, like, I remember Rutgers got in because the whole team got wiped out for COVID. So yeah, they were like, all right, yeah. the Rutgers, you're, you're in. That's it. That's what it was. Yeah. What a weird spot. What a weird spot. Yeah. Um, at any, um, so yeah, for that division, I'm gonna go with Coastal. I mean, I, I just can't, I can't quit them. They're, they're fun to watch. What a fun team! And if they actually pull off the upset at UCLA, I mean, it doesn't affect the, the conference schedule at all, but it certainly is gonna get people talking. It's gonna be a very interesting, oh, yeah. be a very interesting year for them. Troy, a team that went 12 and two, and it could have been, th- it could have been 13 and one if they had not, if they, if it wasn't for a hell Mary in a game at, uh, at Appalachian State. I think that's the team I'm taking out of the West. I think they're going to take... I mean, you're right about the defensive starters. Like, that's going to be a real challenge. But I think what I'm banking on is that the depth will be there and the recruiting will be there. I have no idea. But I certainly think they've been very solid through a long time. South Alabama I feel pretty good about, too. So I wouldn't really be surprised if South Alabama were to take it instead. But I feel like the, the, the I, I probably would... History, historically, I think I'd go with Troy... Because they've probably been more consistently good for a longer period of time, but South Alabama is pretty good. I mean, they've been solid for a couple years now. I think I remember we were at a, we were weren't we like in the sports book one time following a South Alabama game. I'm trying to remember what happened in that yes, game. I think we were. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that's when they were trash. Yeah, like, it was. We it was against them. But now, like we're, I'd be all, I'm all over. Like I told you that first that game week one. Yep. I'll take South Alabama with the points at Tulane. Like, anything over a touchdown, like, I'm, I'm in on that. That's a good call. Sure. That's a good call. I mean, if they can hang with UCLA on the road, why would, what would keep them hanging with Tulane? Like, I think yeah. I completely agree. It's a great call. So, yeah. So, Troy and um, and Coastal will be my picks for the Sun Belt. And I feel like a, we'll, we'll probably have, if nothing else, they'll be right there, like, all year. So, fun years, fun times ahead for Sun Belt. All right, that does it for our for our conferences tonight. We will continue our conference previews tomorrow with the Power Five conference previews. We gotta have so much to talk about in that show. <laughs> it's gonna be so many scenarios, so many so many storylines. You want to do a few quick words on the independents? Yes, not yes, named yes. Notre Dame. Yes, uh, there's correct. only three of them now because like everyone's yeah. joined conferences. Yeah, so yeah. it's uh, uh, Army, UMass, and uh, UConn. My Huskies are the in the independents. Um, so yeah, I, honestly, I'm not going to waste much time on UMass. They're going to be pretty bad again. Um, you know, they they added some some transfer. They actually did bring in a decent number of like power five transfers, so upgraded their talent a little bit. I mean, we'll see uh, how how they can do. Um, they do play a week zero game next week, so ESPN primetime next Saturday night, UMass at New Mexico State. Set your uh, clocks for that one. Uh, that'll be interesting. <laughs> But hey, beats having no college football. But yeah, they're not going to be favored in many games. Mm-hmm. They went one and eleven last year. I don't know. Maybe they'll win a couple. We'll see. But yeah, we'll watch them in prime time next week. Um, Army, they uh, they're dealing with the same thing that the other academies are with the the new rule with the cup blocking. Um, they were they kind of had a down year last year at six and six. Um, and they, they had two FCS wins, so they weren't eligible to make it to a bowl. And, um, you know, they're, they're bringing in some, some new, uh, well, they have, they have to have a new quarterback because, um, the guy they were using, uh, graduated. So, uh, they don't have a, a ton of experience otherwise. 
Um, so I don't know. I don't know what to make of Army. It, it, again, it's kind of like a system, a system team. Like yep. you really don't know what to make of their recruiting or anything. They're just kind of run their system. They schedule to make like six or seven wins. Like I'm seeing, <laughs> I'm seeing UMass is on their schedule. Like Delaware State, ULM. Like uh, there's some, there's a few wins here, but I don't know if they can uh, make it to a bowl because there, there are some other tough games. Mm-hmm. But yeah, there Army's always a tough team kind of to play at at, at home and at West Point. Um, because you have all the cadets there, and it's just it's just a, a tough old trip to make. But um, yeah, I, I think uh, if I had to say like the best of the three academy schools, it's Air Force by far. They're going to win mm-hmm. the yep. Service Academy trophy, and then certainly last but not least, my uh, UConn Huskies, uh, who went six and six last year, just completely out of nowhere. Really, Jim Moore did a fantastic job in year one. They're only deeper and stronger this year because he brought in more. Power five transfers. Um, they have a they have their entire offensive lines returning. Uh, they have nine returning starters on offense, eight on defense. Their offensive de- defensive line should be really good. Brought in more power five transfers, as I said, to bolster their secondary and their receivers, which was a weakness. And their schedule is much easier this year. Um, they only they do have a couple of really tough games. Like they're not going to win at Tennessee uh, for sure. Uh, they play some ACC schools. Like they play NC State. They play Duke. Um, they played Boston College, but a couple of those are at home, so they're definitely winnable. Um, my recommendation, I see the over-under was at four and a half yesterday. I definitely would bet the over. I think UConn, as long as like there's not like a rash of injuries or anything, I think they're going to get to another bowl, so six wins for sure. Yep. I really like the trajectory that Mora has been taking them. Certainly, compared to Randy Edsel, who's a complete and utter clown, yeah. fool, uh, the last few years of his tenure, uh, I just just look what Mora has done uh, in the year and a half since he's been here, and, and I'm looking for uh, another good season. It's on paper; it's all it's all setting up to be there with the schedule and all the players they have back. So I would be very surprised and honestly disappointed at this point if they don't get to a bowl. So um, six and six, I think, is like the floor for UConn, and I love to see them win a couple of these games against like the ACC schools and like start to get noticed and you know, be in that next wave of conference realignment. That would be the, that would be the goal. Like I know people love to stay in the big East, but that's really not where like college athletics is, is like basketball centric is not like where you want to be. Like you want to have all sports, you know, be great. And in a major conference, not just like your basketball team. So that's kind of where I'm at, but yeah, I think it's going to be a good season uh, for UConn and, and fingers crossed uh, on that. And yeah. So that's like the three, minor independence and we can we can mention notre dame tomorrow night yep yeah it's interesting to see you know just staying on the topic of independence like byu is going to be joining a conference pretty soon i think it's a good it's a good move I, i'm glad to see that finally it, they've been yeah. In, yeah well they were playing like you remember their schedule they played like you know in the beginning of the year anyway because you're not you can't play like you know big teams in in like november but they were playing like four or five schools out. They were like the de-, de-, de facto Pac-12 champions one year. So they beat everybody <laughs> in the Pac-12. I remember they yeah, beat yeah. like USC and like Washington and Arizona State. Like they they were you know really impressive. Yep. Um, for, for a couple of those, those years, we'll we'll see how they do um, in the Big 12. You know, we can we can talk about them tomorrow. Yep. But yeah, I I don't know. Like we were saying before, I could see Stanford and Cal going independent. I mean, they have well. I shouldn't say Cal. Cal's broke. Like we, we know that their school is broke. <laughs> but Stan, Stanford has enough money to go independent. Yeah. Like, the question is like, do they really do they really want to do that? Like I don't know. We'll we'll see how this all plays out. Yeah, that's a good question because when you talk about 
other sports. He, there, there are other sports in college sport athletics besides football. Yeah. And so Cal yep. has to factor that in because they have basketball right. and baseball and so many of them. Yep. yep. You know. And that's the whole thing too. Like I, I feel like we need to separate football from all the other yeah. sports. Like yeah. do make your conferences for football based on however the hell you want, whatever, like, you know, yeah. the best markets, TV, you know, whatever, but then keep your other, keep everything else like regionalized, you know, like there's no reason why like the, the Washington girls field hockey team should be flying to Rutgers to play, play a game. Like that makes no sense whatsoever. Like fo- football should be, it should be separate. And I, maybe that's where this is eventually heading. I don't know. And they could, kind of break away football and do its own thing and then keep everything else under the NCAA. I don't know. I mean, maybe that's the long-term thing, but I, it just doesn't, you're right. Like it doesn't, it doesn't make much sense to me. Yeah. And, and that's, a, that's actually a good segue for tomorrow. Cause like that, we're going to really get into that tomorrow. Like, you know, where is this going? You know, cause I don't think we're stopping the, at just this. I'm sure there's oh, going to, no. yeah, absolutely not. The next, the next conference to be, gutted is going to be the ACC. Like yeah. Everyone can see it coming. 100%. And it's a question of when, not if. Like it's, <laughs> you know, Florida State's already talking about getting out. We want out. Like, why one school's making, uh, you know, double our money, the money that we make, like, you know, and they're kind of stuck in, like, the ACC, like, brand of rights, but they're trying to get out of it. Like, that's the next conference to, to get plucked, and then we'll, we'll see where it all goes from there. Absolutely, John. So with that, we say goodnight. John, thank you so much for doing this. This has been really, really fun, and uh, we'll pick it up tomorrow. We'll we'll, we'll meet you at the, uh, uh, we'll we'll cover the Power Five. We'll do our season storylines, and of course, the annual tradition of who's on the hot seat this year. Uh, it'll, oh yeah, that'll be a fun segment. So until then, John, have a great rest of your your evening, and take care. Thanks so much for doing this. All right, you too, Dave. We'll see you tomorrow. Sounds good. All right, John. Thank you so much. Good times, John. Great times. What a good what a good spot. Um, boy. So much to unpack, am I right? And this is just a group of five. So when we get to tomorrow's show, when we get into when we get into the Power Five previews, there is gonna be so much juice to get into. The coaching changes, the massive realignment for so many big conferences, the ending of a conference, I mean, and the TV contracts, they're gonna completely switch over to completely different networks in the next couple of years. So, um, We've had a lot of fun with this tonight uh, with, with the group of five. And, and that's the thing. I think the group of five is becoming a bigger part of the sport, even though it would seem like it's being marginalized, but not really. Because you also see have the, between the expanded playoffs and some of these conferences just simply getting stronger. I think the group of five is going to be a big player for the year for the years to come. So that's it for us. Uh, I'm Dave Medina. You know me as Davey's Eating Sandwich on TikTok and Instagram and threads, all the cool platforms. Um, it has been nice to do this with you tonight. Stay tuned, those of you watching us live. Well, I'll be I'll be back on Twitch with Sandwich Music. I'm gonna play some piano music for you. We'll also be I'll also be taking requests, so um, you can look for us there at Twitch.tv/DaveyEatingASandwich. If you missed any part of this podcast, um, you can catch the replay on all the podcast platforms and also on our YouTube channel at at uh, Davey's Eating a Sandwich and look for us under the Sandwich Corner. We hope you've had enjoyed it, everybody. Have a great rest of your evening. And again, if you're watching us live, stay tuned and follow us over on Twitch. We'll keep our party going over there. Take care, everyone. We'll see you next time.